it might not have been the draft class that every Chicago Bears fan wanted, but the team did get better this weekend and added quality players at positions of need. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook and join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On the show today, we break down this Bears draft class, a whole lot of wheeling and dealing on day three, some impact players brought in on day two, but still kind of leaving this feeling of like still not getting as many players around Justin Fields as possible, but we'll kind of talk about how you draw the line here of evaluating the draft class versus evaluating the state of the roster. We'll kind of look also at, you know, okay, if not the guys they had taken in that second round, let's look at who was available at each spot and what some of the potential alternatives were and try and get into maybe some of Ryan Pohl's thought process there. And then we'll kind of wrap up with a look at some of the day three guys and, and where the impacts could be with four offensive linemen and some guys that are really intriguing if, if, if nothing else. But I want to start with this draft class as a whole and, and sort of the bigger picture, I guess, to some extent with the first few picks, right? There's that sour taste for, I think, for a lot of Bears fans and people on Twitter that say, ah, you know, the Bears still didn't do a lot and enough to build around Justin Fields, right? They didn't, they're using those two second round picks on defense and not on wide receiver and offensive line and other things that are more closely tied to the quarterback. And that's a fair criticism of this Bears roster, no doubt. It's still a relatively weak wide receiving core and a relatively weak offensive line that both added draft picks, we should mention, but just not those like quite full impact guys that you were maybe looking for or hoping for with those second round picks. But I think separately from that, this still looks like and is a good draft class by all means from what the Bears did. Like when you look at it, a little bit more in a vacuum. If you're just evaluating the draft class, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of really, a lot of really like quality players added positions of need. Like you got your starting safety, you got your starting cornerback, you added a slot receiver who maybe can do some outside stuff, is good with the ball in his hands after the catch. You added some great depth on the offensive line, and some an intriguing pass rusher. You got a punter in at the end there too, and now of course undrafted for agency adding quite a few more players in this mix as well but like otherwise it's it's a pretty good draft class like it this is like they got a you know the cornerback Kyler Gordon was projected to either go around that range or even potentially a little bit earlier borderline first round corner who's going to step in and be that starter opposite Jalen Johnson and give you your sort of bookend outside cornerbacks for the foreseeable future and like there's a lot to like about the physical tools that Kyler Gordon brings, ball skills. Maybe there's he needs a little bit of coaching up and rough around the edges in that regard, but that's sort of the theme of the types of players the Bears pursued this season. But, of course, a massive need 
at cornerback. And it's like you can, you can criticize them all you want and very legitimately for not having put enough around Justin Fields. But had they used, you know, the, the, the first two, two second-round picks on a wide receiver and offensive lineman, for example, and you had this big hole at cornerback with just another late-round day-three type player plugged in there, there'd be criticism there. It's like, oh, well, this secondary would be terrible if you didn't have Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker in there in those spots. You could it, it very much, very strongly make the argument that, yes, it would, I would rather have better around fields and have bigger question marks in the secondary than I would, you know, better secondary and bigger question marks around Justin Fields in terms of importance to this team. That's fine. But I think you can say, I think these two things can be true at the same time, that, like, Bears got some really good players at, and good value at good spots at positions of need, and this is, like, on paper, after draft day, a draft class that you can feel good about in terms of the quality and you know frequency and volume of talent that the Bears were able to acquire. And they still need to do more around Justin Fields and have not properly surrounded Justin Fields with talent. Like I think these things can be true at the same time. And I think too often we're sort of like saying, well, who cares what the draft class is good because this is this. It's like, well, no, let's wait a minute. Let's, let's make sure that we recognize too that like this is a draft class to be excited about because Jaquan Brisker could right, be a, a great box safety to kind of come down with, with some versatility to cover on the back end. Again, moves pretty well. Still got a wide receiver in that third round and then a bunch of offensive linemen late in the draft that yes, sixth and seventh round picks, ch- chances are relatively low for any of them individually to become stars in the NFL. But when you take, you know, seven swings at the fence or what, eight day three picks and six picks in round six and seven, those are all lottery ticket type picks, right? Chances are low, but if one of them hits, it becomes a really, really great value. And the more shots you get at it, the more opportunities you have for one of them to potentially pan out. If you had, you only had three of those, chance is pretty low that one of those three happens to happen. When you have eight of those, seems like maybe the odds are a little bit better that one of them or maybe two of them could become something better than you would typically expect from a sixth or seventh round pick. So, don't I, I guess my point here is that like you don't have to be super pessimistic about this draft class just because it didn't fill the Justin Fields holes the way you might have wanted them to, but the, those are still valid concerns. But we could also be excited about the players that they did add and still also have concerns about the spots that they haven't properly filled. Which, by the way, they do still have some free agent opportunities here. Ryan Poles even mentioned like you know 53 man roster cut down. They could potentially still add talent there or trades during the preseason or during the season. That there are still other ways to keep evaluating this team, and they're going to still sort of see this through. So to be determined on what this all looks like when it is fully together. But hey, there's a, a still, I think, a lot to like about where things are going to go here. But in, I don't know. We can put on our amateur general manager hat and look at those two second-round picks and who was on the board and what the dynamics were, and we can say, okay, if if we would have done it differently, how might we have done it differently? And, and how can we sort of look into what Ryan Pohl's thought process might have been next? on Locked on Bears. Just because the draft is behind us doesn't mean there aren't football bets you can place with our friends at betonline.net. They're going to be your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. You can bet on over-under for Bears win total this season. You can bet whether or not the Bears will make the playoffs this year. Plus, they got early odds on like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of NFL futures available. But it's really all the latest sports developments you need, league reviews and news, including the NBA playoffs going on right now, hockey season winding down, baseball season in the thick of it, and so much more. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, live betting, 
esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action you need to know. Bet online, where the game starts. When the Bears were on the clock at 39, I think all of us had some kind of idea of who we would have wanted them to take with that first pick. And I don't know that Kyler Gordon was at the top of everybody's list, but he was certainly in that conversation and, and a good value there and a really good fit and all those different things. Like we talked about, there's a lot to like about Kyler Gordon. But, you know, as, as those sort of picks were coming off, you get to 39 and a decent number of those wide receivers, for example, that we had sort of been eyeing and talking about and, and talking on and looking at how and when and where they might fit for the Bears we're still available at that spot and they go cornerback, but okay, you've got the second, second round pick eight picks later, or do the math there for me, nine picks later and still nine picks later. Um, a couple of wide receivers come off the board in between Wandell Robinson goes to the giants at 43. John Mechie goes to the Texans at 44. And then you get all the way to 48 and you still have George Pickens, Alec Pierce and sky Moore among the wide receivers still on the board at that spot and the bears opt to go safety there. But I can't help but one, I can't help but look at the way it played out and the way teams seemed to view these wide receivers and wonder if there wasn't more of a divide between maybe our view of these receivers and our desire for these receivers compared to NFL teams desires and views of these wide receivers because yes you know like the Packers take Christian Watson at 34 right at the top of the second they trade up for Christian Watson at 34 because clearly they saw him as the guy they felt like they had to have and they just certainly didn't trust him to fall as far down as where they were picking and felt like they had to jump all the way up there to go up and get him but then from there like when we talked about the Bears options in the second rounds and the one we might the ones we might be interested in at wide receiver we talked about George Pickens we talked about Sky Moore and we talked a little bit about Alec Pierce but not so much immediately in that like 39 quite type spot and yet there were three other wide receivers taken after Watson before Pickens Pierce and Moore went one went right after each other three in a row to the Steelers Colts and Chiefs at 52 53 and 54. The Giants took Wandell Robinson at 43, John Mechie at 44 to the Houston, and then the Patriots took Tyquan Thornton at 50. And it just strikes me there that like three teams took three different wide receivers that were all sort of outside of that group, that tier of receivers that we had in the Bears range. And so I, I just can't help but wonder, it's like, it's not, I just get the impression, right? It's not just like, Ryan Pohl specifically didn't value those receivers as highly, but other teams did, right? I mean, it's not that it was like that far down, but it was another, what, seven picks or so after the Bears picked Brisker, right? After the Bears' second second round pick. Yes, they could have traded down there, potentially still gotten one of those wide receivers. And honestly, I think that's kind of, if, if I could try and find the optimum outcome, I think... Among the two second-round picks, safety was the lesser need compared to cornerback. I like Brisker a lot, and I think he's a good pick, and I think it'll be a good fit next to Eddie Jackson and made the secondary a lot better. But, like, I I was warming up to the idea of, like, Crookshank and DeAndre Houston Carson kind of competing with that. Plus, in free agency, you could still re-sign Gibson. He's still a free agent. There's still some other veterans out there that you could fill that safety need 
a little bit more easily there. And I would have, and of course, this is all hindsight 2020. Ryan Poles had no idea when these wide receivers would come off the board. And that's part of the other point here that we'll get to in a second. But like, if you could, if you could fully hindsight this, I don't mind staying at 39 and taking Gordon or, you know, whatever you want to do there. But at 48, you know, you could have traded down anywhere in the next four slots, or I guess you could have traded down from 39 too. I mean, either direction trade into that early 50s range, and I would have been happy landing any of Pickens, Pierce, or more in that spot and then picking up, you know, whatever day three pick you get for that move down, a fourth-round pick or maybe a fifth-round pick or something in there. And that was the bigger surprise for me in this draft is that they didn't trade down from either of those second-round spots or that third-round spot. The trade-downs didn't happen until day three of this draft. But I think for Ryan Poles, he was so much less focused on, okay, I have to get a wide receiver. Let me move around in the draft to where I'm still getting good value for that wide receiver or offensive line, right? He was he was not as worried about like position and more just said, let me get the best players for my football team because this Bears team is not a wide receiver away. It's not an offensive lineman away. Like the Green Bay Packers felt like they're pretty close to a wide receiver away from being you know, to the Super Bowl or wherever their aspirations are going to be this season. I mean, yes, they're more than a wide receiver away, but no team is truly one player away, but that's sort of the feeling, right? It's like, oh, if they just add this, then they can overcome the rest. And the Packers felt like one of those teams that like, okay, we, we you know, they missed out on all the receivers in the first round because there was a huge run of them in the top 20. And so they felt like, okay, early second round, we need a wide receiver. This is like the missing piece or the biggest missing piece for our team that we feel like can put us over the top. And the Chicago Bears are not in that position. It's not to say that they don't have a big need there and that it wouldn't be very helpful and important to the team, but they're also in a spot where they had so many needs and so many spots where you just need to add the best young talent you possibly can to your roster. And so, you know, they took the cornerback and the safety that they feel like are those big-time difference makers, players that they think can be difference makers and playmakers on that side of the ball. And Poles kind of hinted, and we'll hear from Poles later this week, he kind of hinted that he didn't see, he, he didn't say anybody by name and didn't necessarily say the position by name, but he kind of hinted that like in the second round at that spot, he kind of hinted that he didn't really see other guys at those other positions that can kind make the type of impact that the cornerback and the safety can make. Sort of hint, implying that maybe you know, he, he not that he didn't like the wide receivers, but didn't feel like they were as potentially special and dynamic as the defensive backs that they did take in that range. And so if you, if as a general manager, you know, you don't think Pickens and Pierce and Moore are quite that game-changing and you, maybe they're a little bit lower on your board, then from there, how much of a gap is there between those three and Valus Jones, who they took in the third round, right? I mean, if if you're if you're dropping those three receivers that we kind of liked as you know outside evaluators, but if you're dropping them down a tier to maybe the other receivers we had at you know tier below, then that's much closer to like a Valus Jones anyway. So if you feel like you you really like the cornerback and the safety here because they're they're great players in your mind, and these wide receivers are good, but aren't as separated from the pack as this cornerback and the safety, then I think that's where Ryan Pohl's logic comes in there. And we've been using this in the context of wide receiver because that's the that's sort of the, the big fantasy football position that everyone's more comfortable really evaluating. But the same is true for offensive line. I mean, there wasn't an offensive lineman drafted in the second round until 51. Uh, Cam Jurgens went to the Eagles. 
And then Luke Gadecki went 57, and then Ed Ingram went 59. But the, the offensive line class was not there in that early second round. So again, like maybe me personally, I kind of would have liked the idea of trading down and getting an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in that range. But if you're Ryan Poles and you say, you know what, this cornerback and safety are game changers, those offensive linemen are okay, those wide receivers are okay, and I could trade down and get two okay players, but I can stay here and get two guys that I feel like are going to be difference makers. That's what I think it ultimately comes down to because then again, you start looking in the third round and you got Abraham Lucas at 72 right after the Bears took Bayless Jones. Bernard Ryman from Central Michigan went 77, which was a huge drop for me. I was really surprised he went that low in this draft. And Dylan Parham went to the Rams at 90 and Sean Ryan went to the Packers at 92. I mean, like there were wide receivers and offensive linemen more in that third round range where he felt like he could still get one there that's more in that tier of guys in his mind that we were looking at as potential second round guys that seem to be in that drop down. That's sort of my theory on how the Bears came to that and why that's why they went to those positions and, and just didn't feel like the size of the need at wide receiver and offensive line didn't overtake his desire to just get the best players for his football team. They still got good football players in the third day of the draft in the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds. We'll kind of go through where some of the impact could come there and what we like and, you know, what we can still kind of have questions about next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is powered by our friends at Built Bars, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars, because I'm powered by Built Bars every single day. I eat one literally every day. I have to, I really have to limit myself to only one a day because they're so delicious. I could go through a box so, so fast because Built Bars don't taste like candy bars. They don't taste like regular protein bars. They taste like candy bars. I'm getting ahead of myself here. They are just sweet, delicious, soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. But most importantly, they're good for you. They're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It's an unbeatable combination you can't find anywhere else. And you got to try it for yourself. Tasting is believing. Head on over to built.com, enter in our promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The Bears somehow went from a handful of day three picks to a bunch of day three picks. I think it went from three to eight was how they turned it because they started the draft with six picks and finished with 11. So the math there would add five. Yeah, I think that I think that adds up for me. And it, like we said at the top, like it's it's a great way to keep taking swings at the fences. But like specifically, you, you kind of like some of the different ways they dipped and you, you really start to get a, a sense of the types of players and the draft strategy generally that, that Ryan Poles will take moving forward in terms of the, the types of, of talent and physical tools and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, you get Braxton Jones of Southern Utah in the fifth round, potential compete to start at offensive tackle. I mean, long, moves well, strong, a little bit a little bit raw and, and a little bit more like top-heavy in terms of the build there physically. But like, you know, Larry Borum was a fifth-round pick last year. This is sort of this year's Larry Borum, not in terms of exactly the make and, and skill set, but just that type of role where fifth-round rookie comes in, a lot to be encouraged about, and maybe he can compete with one of them and, and push them a little bit more. You go to Dominique Robinson later in the fifth round from Miami. He's a converted wide receiver who's playing pass rusher now. He's like he's only been an edge rusher for like a couple of years, but like 
he moves like a wide receiver. He's big, right? I mean, he's bulked up and he's strong, but he's quick and bendy around the edge. And you like that he's got that type of speed and physical flexibility that you can't coach and you can kind of coach the rest. And that's so much this Bears draft class across the board. And you can kind of see how this all comes together for polls. So many of these players have some kind of physical gifts. They all tend to be pretty athletic for their positions and do some of those, a lot of those things that you can't coach. And then they also really emphasize, they kept saying in the post-draft press conference, like the mentality, the people, you know, the, their, their makeup, how they, how they view football and competition. And so their, their strategy then that I think we will see continue in future drafts, regardless of position, is give me the guy that has some of the things we can't teach in terms of physical tools and then the mentality that we evaluate psychologically or whatever to be great and be a good fit and be competitive and be a, a hardworking you know, type of human being that they want in their locker room and take both of those things combined and then turn the coaches into developers and truly develop these players in the ways that can be coached to get the guys that are lacking in the areas that can be coached and, and are exceeding in the areas that cannot be coached and take the mentality with the tools and our coaches will be the thing to unlock them. And I think it's sort of uh, I think there's some real stakes here or there's some real like accountability here for the coaching staff, right? It's like, we are giving you these, these tools to build into something, build, build them into great football players. Not that like, if these sixth and seventh round picks never pan out, does that mean the coaches are bad? No, but you'd like to see some level of players at least getting better, right? You're not expecting all four offensive linemen they took in the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds to become four starters, right? That's not a realistic, <laughs> just not a realistic expectation for those guys. But you should, in theory, see most of them make some kind of progress that doesn't mean they all make the 53-man roster that doesn't mean none of them are on the practice squad doesn't mean none of them bust out but like let's see development if that's what you're drafting these players for and in you know in order to and same with the edge rushers same with the running back same with the the two or the three defensive backs they took and of course Valus Jones at wide receiver and how about a punter with the last pick of the draft I really actually was glad it played out that way like even Ryan Poles kind of admitted at the end like they literally used their last draft pick on a punter because they didn't want to have to compete with for him as an undrafted free agent. Like that's, they were never, I don't think he was going to take the punter like any earlier in this draft unless he felt like for some reason he absolutely had to, but they didn't want to have to get into a bidding war to try and get the punter in. Like this was the punter they wanted. They wanted him as an undrafted free agent, but said, you know what, screw it. Let's get him here now to guarantee that force him to come to us as opposed to letting him go somewhere else because there's no point to draft any punter any earlier than the end of the seventh round because it's just the success rate is not there. The punters that go undrafted end up being just as good as the punters that get drafted, and the only reason to draft a punter is this, so that you don't lose him in undrafted free agency, but you don't need to draft him any earlier than the seventh round because anybody earlier than the seventh round is low chances they're truly going to be that much better than any punter taken earlier in this draft. But overall, you know, you come away with two guards, a center that are all going to be the depth guys. And maybe they end up kind of like the, the ones Ryan Pace took, you know, like Lechavius Simmons, where they're, they're backups and you try and develop them and you see what can happen and maybe they can become something and maybe not. And that's, 
that's what you expect out of sixth and seventh round picks. You get a pass catching running back in there that gives you some flexibility. If maybe you don't end up re-signing David Montgomery to a contract extension, Justin Ebner from Baylor is a perfect scheme fit, great receiver out of the backfield. And a lot of these guys are great special teams contributors, too. The defensive backs are. Valus Jones is a kick returner. Uh, Tristan Ebner is a kick returner as well. Dominic Robinson can do some special teams. Elijah Hicks, the safety from California, special teams. I mean, they're going to get value out of those players, too, even if they're not on offense, right? They can be active on game day, getting special teams experience and be contributing to your roster that way as well. So I think that's why, again, in a vacuum, there's a lot to like about this draft class. I mean, there's so much of this like, ah, well, they still don't have anything around Justin Fields. And that's totally true, 100%. But like, allow yourself to enjoy the draft class too because like they added a bunch of players. There's a lot of players to like. There's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot, just a lot. It's the draft. Like it's a hopeful, optimistic time for adding football players to your team that you like and can like, even if they're not exactly what you want them to do. We'll have plenty of time to be concerned more about what Justin Fields' tools and, and weapons and protection are going to be. And those are very important concerns. But for now, let's actually enjoy the NFL draft and the excitement of the guys that this team did add. Certainly, we'll be breaking this draft class down for you all week long. We'll talk to some of our friends on the Lockdown Podcast Network that cover these players in college. We'll talk to some of our draft friends in the draft community to come on and break down this Bears draft class. We'll hear from the general manager and head coach as well. So we've got a lot to get to. I hope you'll keep tuning in five days a week here to the Locked on Bears podcast and hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. I hope tuning in to Locked on Bears helps you feel a little bit better about this draft class. Maybe, you know, still some concerns surrounding this team, but most importantly, I hope the podcast makes it a little bit easier for you to bear down.